what if we fail? What if we fail? What if it doesn't? And I'm like, I think you're more afraid of what if it doesn't fail? Then what the fuck happens? (laughs) Yeah. Like, what happens when you make a million dollars? That's scarier than failing. You're ready to fail. Mm -hmm. Hi, everyone. I'm Sid Sharice. And I'm David Bosher. And you're listening to Destroy the Hairdresser, the podcast. Where we teach you to salon differently. Ditch the can and go digital today. It's 2022, and with inflation plus an open color bar, we are experiencing more color loss, and this time, we can't just blame the drains. Join the thousands of salons that are digitizing the most creative aspect of their business. Never lose, never guess, and never worry. Head to salonscale.com slash DTH to see why thousands have joined the Salonscale movement. Use code DTH10 at checkout for 10% off. We are thrilled to announce our partnership with Salon Interactive. Finally, a company that is helping put the power of retailing back in the hands of salon owners and hairdressers. No more stocking retail shelves with thousands of dollars worth of products that are just collecting dust. Salon Interactive allows you to sell entirely online, directly to your clients. And the best part is, you get to take home a large commission. We know the world of e-commerce can be scary and confusing, and that's why we love Salon Interactive. It's a free tool that allows you to sell the professional products you want from the brands that you love without having to spend a dime. Visit saloninteractive.com slash DTH to get started. Let us introduce you to one of our favorite product companies, Reverie. Reverie is hair care for all humans, no matter your hair type. Their clean and innovative formulas nurture the integrity of your hair for unrivaled results. Reverie is made intentionally in California, paying attention to detail at every stage of the process. Their mindfully sourced vegan ingredients and environmentally friendly packaging showcases their commitment to creating alchemy in a bottle. Reverie was created in 2011 by Garrett Markinson and continues to be a family-owned and operated business to this day. Tap the link in the episode description to get connected with our friends over at Reverie. this topic is a really trigger. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. Well, we talk about it. Our industry doesn't talk about it. I don't think we talk about it that much either. I think we... We talk about it with our students. Yeah, we really focus on this. This is really what coaching is all about. But the rumor mill about our company is that we... uh, I think it's that we make people stop doing hair. Is Mm -hmm. that what we've heard? Mm -hmm. Um, Which is really funny because it's true. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we believe that salon owners should be able to set up salon businesses and not have to continue to do so much hair behind the chair. The point of opening any business is so that the owner does not have to do all of the work. That's how capitalism If you are a works. salon owner and you are focusing your income as the driving force of your business, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, you're not a salon owner, you're a hairdresser. You're a hairdresser that is also taking the risk. So it's not that we make people behind the chair, our owners leave completely, but we really question why they aren't giving the opportunity to their staff. And usually they're so focused behind the chair and being a hairdresser that they do not support the team the way the team needs to be supported or the business. Well, and then time. And the business starts to fail. And that's usually when they start coaching and we're like, well, yeah, your business is failing. You're not leading it. You're not yeah. running it. You're and then we start hoping for the best. Then we start blaming our teams. That's we start blaming our teams. Goes. Toxic situations happen. Teams leave. You have a walkout. Then you start doing more clients, more hair. It's this vicious cycle. And it's like, it's not about not being a hairdresser anymore, but it's really about, about being a business owner now. Being a business owner 
Like, can you imagine a world where you can run a business and then just do hair for the fun of it, not because you need to financially, because your business is bringing profit to you financially? There's so much to say in this topic, but let's just use some critical thinking. We are in the first ever situation where there are seven or more generations alive at one time. Mm -hmm. There are still, there are baby boomers, but there are still, before baby boomers, the greatest generation, which there are still people alive from that generation. Mm -hmm. What happens is that the longer the lifespan of humans become, the longer humans will continue to work. And the reason they're continuing to work is because our health and medicine is getting better, and so we're living longer, and we can work longer, and we and I also think retirement is kind of something that's not. People don't think about it until it's too late, too. Not only, yeah. Well, that's that's huge. in service industries, in corporate industries, they're thinking about it. But more. there's we hear a lot of people saying, "I don't think I'm ever going to retire," and I, it's not that they. In some situations, it's because they can't, but in a lot of the situations, like my father's situation, he doesn't want to. He feel he's sixty something. He feels very young. He's he's fit. He still wants to work. He owns a bit. Like he doesn't see himself like retiring and golfing the rest of his life. And I think it's a lot of people. And I think a lot of young people are the same. Like I don't want to retire. I want to keep doing what I'm doing. Maybe I don't do it at the same level. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that is that our society is not set up to manage all of that. Mm-mm. So now you have hairdressers and salon owners that won't give up the hairdressing part. And it's what happens is you're blocking out growth, like every industry. If you don't retire, you are blocking growth for early. The new generation. <laughs> we got a phone call. Okay. <laughs> if it makes you feel better, my phone just went off too. So in the middle of my own book. <laughs> so leave it in. No Raw, raw podcasting. I hate the word raw. Um, so when people don't retire it kind of pushes down the availability for younger people to grow. Mm -hmm. Then younger people go off and do their own thing. And now everyone's doing their own thing and there's no one pulling it. Like it just messes with, there's nothing wrong with people living longer. It's great. But we're not, we don't know what to do with it yet. Mm -hmm. We don't understand how it works. Because it used to be retire at 55. Yeah. And then, oh. Oh my God. (laughs) Everybody, let's just turn our phones on completely and we'll let them go. I swear I turned that off. I'm going to do not disturb. So back to the topic, (laughs) which the people living longer is great. People working longer, also great. Mm -hmm. You don't have to retire, but you have to rethink how you do business. If you are a salon owner and you're in your 60s, you might feel okay doing hair still. It is a Physically. lot of manual labor, yeah. so some people don't. But if you are, maybe you're older and you do feel like I can keep doing hair, that doesn't mean you should. Mm-hmm. And it's not that you should stop doing hair and not make any money. It's that if you own a business, you should remove yourself to allow people to come up, and you will be profiting off of their work. That system is how that's how capitalism works. Then they move up, and then they move out, and then they move up, and they, like that's also how it someone works. has to drive the ship. Steer the ship, not drive it. Somebody's got to be in charge. And if you are spending, you know, we hear this from salon owners all the time. They're like, our team is this and this and this. And I'm like, well, who's leading them? Well, I'm behind the chair. And Or they'll say, we all help each other out. No, you don't. No, you don't. That is such a fucking lie. Well, and I think the biggest thing that we don't talk about enough is the emotional, what's the word I want to look for? Like, 
the pain that comes with ending your career behind the chair to do yeah. something different in the same industry. I will say this. The people that— It's, it's painful. The saloners that start coaching, I would say 80% or more, get to a place where their business is so successful with coaching that they can stop doing hair. But the real problem starts when they don't know what to do with next. Themselves. They're like, I don't have to go to work. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I feel like I'm supposed to be behind the chair. I don't know how to lead. Like, all of a sudden, when you remove that part of your life as a hairdresser that you've been doing for the last 40 years, mm -hmm. you're like, I don't know what I do now. I don't know. What, and they start to, like, have existential crisis mm -hmm. of, like, what is my life worth? What's what's Who the am point? I? Who am I? And I actually think it's it's a really hard place for people to get. And I think it's what people are avoiding at all times. I think it's also why people don't like retirement. Retirement asks the same question. What do I do now? What We say, what do you want to do? Well, yeah, what do you want to do? But also— Because a lot of our salon owners don't necessarily want to continue to do hair at the level that they're doing hair because they're exhausted. But they they're, all want to do hair. Yeah, but they all want to do hair in a more proactive way. And so, again, it's not about not doing hair, but not one being emotionally attached to— your clients, because a lot of your clients can go to your team. And if you don't feel, I have this conversation all the time with my students. They're like, well, I don't think my team could do my client's hair. And I'm like, then why did you hire them? Yeah, what's going on? So because if you, don't, that's missing. if you don't think that your team is as good, good enough to work on your clients, why did you hire them? Because yeah, what's the plan? And, and also not only that. It goes back to the clients. Another problem is like, well, you know, they don't feel like they're getting as good of work as me. Well, or the attention. Or the attention. Or, it's like, okay, well, if they want to be with you, salon owner, they're going to pay your salon owner prices. Yes. And if they do not want to pay your prices that are exceptionally high because you had to shed your clientele, then they are going to be with a stylist that is worth this amount. And that's okay. Yeah, I think that's the problem with salon owners is like, they don't want to take the risk to allow their team to grow and develop. So what does their team do? Leave. Mm -hmm. To go to booth rental. To do their own to thing. To have freedom. And it's like you <laughs> can set, if we look at the industry as cyclical and we give it a, a proactive system, we can move on. The other thing that I think that salon owners don't do, luckily our the people that work with us do, is invest in their team beyond their business. So if somebody that's really great at their job wants to leave and you think that they could go open a salon and do well, you should consider investing in them. Investing is a great way to make money passively and not have to work as much. You could consult with them. You could work with them. You're still working in the industry. You're still giving your life purpose with work, but it's not so much manual labor anymore. If you are still doing manual labor, the older you get, something's going to give. Either your body's going to give out, your mental health is going to give out. Like Manual labor is okay, but we we have kind of lost control of how we do it because if you think about history, we we have the same amount of hours in a day that we had in the 1800s, mm -hmm. but we are expected to do 900 times um, the amount of work we did before mm -hmm. in the same amount of time. Yeah, Whether it be mental or physical, it's still too much for the human body, the human experience to handle. And hairdressers are no exception. You can't double book, triple book, quadruple book to make all this money, and then— You eventually have to start charging more. And then what? That's the other thing, too. And like, then what's after that? And yeah. then what's after that? Well, I, you know, we challenge a lot of our owners. Um, we teach a lot that if you want to be able to give back to your community and really help 
parts of the community that are suffering, like in your area, like that can't afford haircuts or can't afford just living costs. And a lot of times the answer is, oh, pick a charity and throw money at it. And yes, that can be really successful if the charities are helping those specific communities. Now, where you could have more of an impact in your industry is getting a business to not only be able to be wealthy enough to be able to give to those charities, but to offer and provide a day where you do free services. Can you imagine you as a salon owner who still wants to do hair that does not need to continue to do hair to financially succeed because your business is thriving and be able to spend a day going to a shelter? Giving back to the community. Giving back to the community. So many And hair- doing hair still. But so many hairdressers want to give back, especially right now with we have so many systemic things that need to change. And this generation, millennial, Gen Z, and the next generation, it's all going to come to the surface more and more, which is great. But I do encourage everyone out there, it is more beneficial, I call it the Robin Hood effect. Mm -hmm. It is more beneficial to make more money so you can give more money. It is not beneficial to keep yourself at a lower price point so to keep everyone happy as a form of giving back so that you also stay in a lower price. Like, Well, we see it all the time. People would be like... Oprah can do more because she's rich AF, not because she's doing things at a lower price point. <laughs> we see people do this a lot. And specifically in the last couple of years, I'll see it all the time in Instagram bios. It'll be discounted services for the LGBTQIA and the BIPOC community. So first off, there's two things. As someone that's part of the LGBTQIA community, I find that a little insulting because we also can't assume that these communities don't have money or don't want to participate in spending their money where they choose to spend their money. So that's one thing. Disenfranchisement mm-hmm. is not the same as poverty. They're different absolutely experiences. Not that these two groups aren't more impoverished than the white, straight, cis For community. Sure. However, to disc- if someone said, oh, you're gay, you get a discount, I don't know. I don't know. Because when you're fighting for equality and then... There's a difference between equality and equity, too. Exactly. This is where salon owners need to step away, bring people... It is more beneficial, instead of giving a discount, for you to hire people from these communities. Provide jobs. And that's what you can do in the beauty industry, is you can hire people from the the Black community, the Hispanic community, the gay community, any uh, disenfranchised community. Hire these people, give jobs, treat them the same, treat them with... Um, equality, give them equity, give them a leg up where they weren't given one before. That is more powerful than you doing a free haircut. I'm just going to, I'm just, yeah. I just don't think free haircuts well, are know, that powerful in well, this situation. Also, when you are lowering your price points, then you're putting yourself on a lower financial bracket and then you're actually in a place of suffering and struggling as well when you could have more impact with your money. And I think we teach a lot of our students of like, what are you doing with your money? Where are you giving it? Yes, we we really teach our our, our students to give back in a big way financially. But give money to places that can do more than you. Yeah, don't give to a huge corporation that isn't helping your community. If you want to help your community, find areas where you can donate your time, where you can donate your money. Like show up in those ways. Like those are the ways that you can really be more wealthy, I think. Yeah. And I think, so we suggest that you give a certain percentage of your profits to uh, an organization that you connect with. We live in a world where we think we're supposed to help everyone at all times. It is not possible. Do not fall for it. It actually it actually spreads out your money and influence way too much. That's why it's like, oh, it's 
you know, yeah. October, so it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Let me donate a thousand dollars to. Why not breast- all year? Yeah, it's like or they- during Gay Pride Month or Black History Month. It's like no, all year. I hate when you see all the gay pride shit during go washing. Oh my god, I fucking hate it. We talk about all the time. We're gonna give. 10% it's like why don't you have the flags to- up all year long? Yeah, exactly. Like it, that's what. Why tri- can't we celebrate MLK all year long? Like it just yeah, makes sense like to Black me. History Month. It's not. It's history. Yeah. It's not a history month. And I just, that's the part I do do still think it's important to have those specific months for sure. (laughs) But my point is it stops. And and that's the thing is like, how can we keep it? Well, one of the things that when when you and I were picking a charity, we wanted to give back to the gay community because that's the community that we're part of, but also um, the black community. And so we found the Center for Black Equity and they help the BIPOC LGBTQIA community. I hate all the acronyms. Sorry, y'all, but we were using them for mm-hmm. shortening. But they helped that specific community, which was like, Sid and I were like, this is this is, this is something that we money. can give consistently and they're going to do the work that we can't. Mm-hmm. We can't do that work. And I think that's where a lot of younger people, especially creative people that are more sensitive, they want to help so badly. Which I love. But they... Because it's never been a focus before. It hasn't. But they turned it into, like, I have to do all of it. It's like, no, give. They are willing to literally allow themselves to suffer financially to give back. And I think that is That's incredible. That's well, it's mistake. incredible, but it's also a mistake. The heart is incredible, but— Intention is an impact. So, like, right. what are you doing to change that? So, I think that's we totally got off topic, but I love it. No, but I think when you're a salon owner, this is the legacy work that you can start doing. You get and out teach from, your staff this. You get out from behind the chair, and now you start doing the real. I don't know if you don't turn your phone off. I'm gonna I'm throw it out the window. Turn it off completely. I, it's on. Do not disturb and airplane mode. Like I don't know what else to do. <laughs> the world it's the metaverse. We talk, it's like, oh, you don't want to be contacted? We talked about it, and it's here. <laughs> but I think when you're a business owner, you can step out and you can say, okay, now I can do that impactful work that I wasn't able to fully focus on before. And that will give not only your career more purpose, but also give it meaning. So now I'm not just like hustling, hustling behind the chair, making money, making money. Now I can like add meaning to what I do. But yeah, for all the people out there that want to give back, give back to places that can do the work that you can't because you can't. That's what they do. Yeah. And I think, too— That's I, their mission. Like, there's a show called Adam Ruins Everything. <laughs> Have you heard of it? Mm-mm. It is so good. It's about this guy, Adam, <laughs> and he basically, like, takes you Does through— Does he ruin everything? He ruins everything. <laughs> but he takes you through different setups in our culture that he's like, they're not real. Mm. Like, he has a whole episode is about— Is it a reality show? No. It's a it's, it's like a real show. It's a show like like explained, it, but he makes it. it funny. But he does like a whole episode on TSA. Like it's been proven that T- the TSA doesn't work ninety percent of the time, yet we still do it. Yeah, and like he like ruins those things that he's like you think you're safe at the airport, but literally has been proven by scientists, psychologists that none of their systems work mm-hmm. and fail over ninety percent of the of the time, and yet we still do it. Yeah. So he talks about those things. One of the things he talks about is um, don't like donating in charity. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he mentions is that food drives. We always try to do food drives. He goes, it is more beneficial for you to pay the charities that go and get the food because they have relationships with companies and they can get more food than you can give. Mm-hmm. So if you're like 
collecting canned goods and you donate canned goods, it would have been more beneficial for you to give them $100 and they could have gotten more than the food that you donated. Mm -hmm. So that's the point I'm trying to make is like, I know that we want a virtue signal. Like, look at the good we're doing. But it's like, it would have been better if you had written a check and just given it to the people that can do it better, faster, and that's why that's why they're there. I wish someone would have taught me younger and I didn't have to like learn on my own. It was someone if I would have had a leader or a salon or a mentor that said, Can you imagine a world where you are making financially what you're making now, if not more, working two to three days a week? And now you have you're financially stable, which is helping the economy. Mm-hmm. And now you can spend your off days to go do things in your community that can be more helpful. Exactly. Because no one wants to do community service because they don't have time. But what if you were fine financially? Would you not then spend your time doing A, B, and C? Or could you give back more financially? I mean, like, that's the part that as creatives we don't— Do you even know what those options are in your community? I bet you a lot of people couldn't tell you where there's a shelter for homeless or or women or the gay community or, like, any of our BIPOC communities. Like, what—do you even know? Do you even know where they are living in your community? Right. And the beauty is you don't need to know if you just give the money to the people that are doing the work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the other thing, too, is as a business owner, you can't make an impact in the industry unless you get out from behind the chair. Your impact as a hairdresser is behind the chair. Your impact as a salon owner is not behind the chair. And I think that's where people get really caught up. And so I encourage you, if you're behind the chair and it's time to step away, which by the way, there's no age for this. Mm-mm. It can be 30. It's whenever you want. It can want be 40. To. It can be 50. It doesn't matter what age you are. If you were ready to step out from behind the chair, you own a business. I ha- I work with um, a lot of students that are in their 20s. They own multiple locations and they don't have to do hair anymore. Mm-hmm. But now they're struggling with, I'm 20. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, And it's like, that's what coaching's for, to help. Now you can actually do the things. A lot of them want to open schools, which is... To pave the way of changing what our learning portion of our hair industry is. And I think that's the point of DTH is we're trying to help salon owners and hairdressers get to a place where you're making money like every other luxury. So we always talk about how hair is luxury, but we're all poor Mm -hmm. in the hair industry in the sense of like— But then we immediately— The median income is $26,000 a year, but we're a luxury service? Yeah, we talk luxury, but then we immediately go to, oh, well, we're just a service industry. Well, let me tell you, restaurant industries are service industries, and those luxury restaurants are providing their employees six figures. Yep. Like, they're thriving. There's if a it restaurant. truly is luxury, they're, they're people that have invested because people have made careers. Like, I think a lot of people think of, like, oh, I worked at a restaurant while I was in this school. or I mean, I did it. Yeah, we downplayed it. You know? It, so. And it's like, no, no, it is a career. It's like you can be a professional bartender and making massive amounts of income. Well, there's a restaurant in Tampa. Burns. Burns Steakhouse. They have like they, they're whole, salaried. They're salaried wait staff. Mm-hmm. The wait staff goes and works on the farm. Mm-hmm. They like raise the cows. Yeah. Sorry for all the vegans out there. I know it's triggering. It's a steak. It's a steakhouse. Yeah. But the point we're trying to make, what we're really focusing on is the fact that these people have created, this is a career. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool. I think that's what, as, there's benefits. There's all of these things. It's not just a restaurant. Like, it's for the long haul. And I so think cool. salons, the salon industry, the beauty industry, is, it's got to flip the script there as well. The restaurant industry has its own bullshit. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with the salon one. But I think, again, how fucked up is it that we keep talking about how luxury hair services are, and yet we're all, the median income is $26,000 a year. I just, it's. It doesn't sound luxury. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't even add up. 
And I think when you are a salon owner, it is your job to help make these changes. It is your job Break to step, the cycle. Yeah, it's your job to step away from the chair and say, okay, now let me work on creating change in my business. Creating change in your own business is going to ripple out to the next business. People are going to start asking you questions. How did you do this? Why did How did you step out from behind the chair? All those conversations need to be had, and we're so afraid of doing it. They, they, never, they never happen. Just like the toxic environments can ripple into the next business, proactivity and financial success can also ripple. So think about that. What are you doing for the generations to come after you with your business decisions that you're making now? For your children, for the future hairdressers, like you really want to help make change. Like that's what you have to start thinking of. I always talk to my salon owners that I work with and they're like, what if we fail? What if we fail? What if it doesn't? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I think you're more afraid of what if it doesn't fail? Then what the fuck happens? <laughs> yeah. Like, Success is what scary. What happens when you make a million dollars? That's scarier than failing. You're ready to fail. Mm-hmm. You've already thought about it. We failed our whole entire lives. You make you don't make the money you want to make right now. Any like you're not really that scared of failing. What happens when you make a lot of money? Then what do you do? I have a student right now, again in her twenties. She wants to open another location. I and I'm like, you're going to need about eighty thousand dollars for a down payment. She goes, I have it. I have that and more in my savings. Twenty mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. doing hair. Yeah, it's incredible. And that's not the norm. I think people forget how successful the hair industry can be. Like, there's people, paramedics, I don't know who I was talking about this before uh, the other day, but paramedics, like, they start off at, like, $15, $20, $30 an hour, and they're first on scene of a car accident. Like, that's that's traumatic. I can't imagine. For $20 an hour. Absolutely not. There's not, that is not a lot of, that's not enough money for me to see something that's going to traumatize me for the rest of my life. Or to pay me for the knowledge. Like when you close your eyes, you will see that. Absolutely not. Yeah. We talk about other industries to just reference ours, but really focusing on the salon industry, we don't need to change the world. We need to change our industry. We're in it. This is what we can do. And one of the biggest ways to make change is to start stepping away from the chair as we go through our career to allow other people to come up and to then give back to the community and to give back to our teams and to start leading. The problem is we don't know how to lead. That gets highlighted when we're not doing hair. I think a lot of people either step out from behind the chair and they just disappear from their salon. Mm -hmm. Like they're gone and their team is like, where's the leader? Or there's people that step away from the chair and then they micromanage, which is a whole other issue. Because they're bored. Because they're bored. That's what coaching is for, is to work with someone to say this, let's focus on these things while you're stepping away because you will. It's like when your kids go to college and parents have empty nests and you're like, what the fuck do I do now? Mm -hmm. It's the same feeling. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, they're like all into cycling (laughs) or they're power walkers. They're ripped. (laughs) (laughs) They're really skinny. They're like, I'm into pottery now because I've always wanted to do pottery and like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but I think, yeah, I think if you own a salon and you're trying to figure out how to step away from the chair, that's something that Destroy the Hairdresser definitely can help you with. So make sure you visit the site. Make sure you talk to a coach. Make sure you message us. Get more information. But it's possible. People are doing it at every age, and they're really coming at the beauty industry in a more unique way. Even if you're not ready to do it right now, it wouldn't hurt to just start gathering information about it. So when that seed is planted and you're like ready to do it, you don't feel lost in the direction and the how. And so again, you know, you were talking about it in one of our podcasts, maybe even this one, that people are just afraid of the idea 
of so they they their natural response, their reactive system runs from it. But just because you're dabbling into learning about something doesn't mean you have to do it. <laughs> you know, like so learning about it is going to help you in the future or it might not. It feels but, like creating a will. You're like, oh I have to think about my death. Mm-hmm. It's like that's what it feels like to hairdressers. It, like it I have does. to think about the end of my career. Yeah, you you should. You should. You absolutely should. Nice way to end it, right on that death note. <laughs> but again, I hope people reach out. I think it's that's the whole point of why we created the company is to help people through this process. We're here to help. Next time on Destroy the Hairdresser, the podcast. So the way we set up our DTH salons is that stylists have ultimate freedom. They can run their individual business within yours like a booth rental or independent with the pay structure of a commission. So there's security with the commission. They're going to get paid. Their taxes are paid, that their education is provided for, their products are provided for. All of the things are provided for. 